Well, hey, friend, it's Thursday. Today we're going to see that your sin is great, but your Savior is greater. Isn't it good news? Seeing the rich and redeemed. Seeing sins filled, washed clean. Seeing enslaved men free. We've been justified with being sanctified. Well, hey, friend, welcome back to the Love Your Bible podcast. Hey, we're three weeks away from Easter. Hopefully, you're really excited about just Holy Week, uh, because what's going to happen on April 10th is we get to celebrate Palm Sunday, and that's going to lead us through Holy Week, and you get to do um, that Lord's Supper Thursday, and then you get to do Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, and Resurrection Sunday. This is the Super Bowl for the church, so hopefully if you're a Christian, you're getting excited. And so what I want to do is to remind us of what happened at the cross, when Christ made an atonement for our sins, what does that mean? So we're digging into Romans chapter 3, verses 20 through 26, and we're just trying to see what exactly is the gospel, what is the cross. So I encourage you to try to memorize this passage of scripture because it's so good. So let's look back. I'm going to read uh, just the whole passage, and then we're going to look at one verse. It's verse 23 during our time, but here's what Paul wrote. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness, witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. That is a spectacular passage of scripture. Paul is unpacking so much about the gospel for us. Last week, we talked about by works of the law, you can't justify yourself. You need Christ. So if you didn't catch that one, listen back to last week. But now we land on verse 23, and it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, my guess is you know that verse because, well, for one, it's part of the Romans road, and maybe you were trained in evangelism, maybe someone shared this verse with you when you weren't a believer, maybe you're not a believer right now, you've never heard this verse, so it's a really good one, but it it really puts us all at level playing field. Here's the deal. We've all sinned, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Like, that's, that's the bad news. So let's just think about this one verse in context of the good news, because what we really want to see is your sin is great. Like it's, it's huge. It's weighty. It's enormous. Your sin is great, but your savior is greater. Like that's what we want to try to concentrate on. Yes, your sin is great, but your savior, Jesus is greater. Your sin is, is massive, but Jesus is 
as your Savior is actually bigger. He overcomes your sin problem. So your problem is that you're sinful if you're apart from Christ. So let's just pick this verse apart. So it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that first word that hits us is all. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I just want to make it very clear that that word all includes you. And it also includes me. It includes everyone. Like that means everyone, every single person on the planet has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, what often we think about is, well, there's there's good people and there's bad people. So if you're a good person, then maybe you're okay with God. If you're a bad person, then, well, you're not okay with God. And so we tend to think of people in two categories. Well, there's there's good people and there's bad people, but what we see in Scripture is there are two groups of people, but you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. So, and the truth is that by birth, we are all in Adam. That's how we start. And because we're in Adam, we've all sinned. Like if you read Romans chapter five, that's what Paul argues. Hey, we all have sinned in Adam. We all died in Adam when we sinned. And when Adam sinned, his sin transferred to us. We all died with him. So that's idea of original sin. Like because of Adam's sin, you inherited a, a sin nature that you love to sin. You don't love God. That's who you are in Adam. But the good news is that once we come to the gospel, we are put in Christ. No longer do we have a sin nature, but now we have a nature to love God. We have a new nature, though we do have a flesh that still struggles with sin. Sin is not our identity. We move from sinner to saint, so we're righteous in Christ. So when you think about all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that that's true of you if you're not a believer, that you are still in sin. If you are a believer, well, guess what? You used to live in sin, but now you've been redeemed from that. So the all here is everybody. It's not the bad people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's all of us, every one of us. You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all, that's you, that's me. What have we done? Well, we have sinned. And you can just look at that and say, yeah, that's true, right? Like nobody can say, well, hold up. No, n- not me. I'm I'm good. I've never blown it. I've never sinned. No, Paul can make this statement knowing with confidence that no one can protest. Yes, we have all sinned. And I remember first learning about these two different categories of sin. So there's sin of commission and there's sin of omission. And I remember learning about these two. So sin of commission means that, well, you you did what you knew you shouldn't have done. So this would be a transgression. Okay. So you can imagine there's a there's a no trespassing sign. And you see it, you know you shouldn't, but you do. You you walk where you're not supposed to walk. Like classic example, you're minding your own business, you're walking through the mall, and all of a sudden you see a wall and it's got a sign on it. And it says, wet paint, don't touch, exclamation point. Now, you had no desire to touch that wall. You weren't even thinking about that wall, but now there's a sign that says don't touch the wall, and what do you want to do? (laughs) Yeah, you want to touch the wall. It's the only thing you want to do. It's the greatest thing you could do at that moment because now you're thinking, well, 
I wonder if the paint's dry. I wonder if the paint's still wet. I wonder what's going to happen if I do touch the wall. Will it get on my finger? Will it, like, like, I don't know what exactly we think in our minds, but for some reason we want to touch the wall because it says don't touch the wall. That's what a transgression is. We know there is a rule. We know the command, yet we do the opposite. We break it on purpose, willingly and knowingly. And guess what? You have done that countless times today, <laughs> not to mention your whole life. Like we know what we should do, yet we do the opposite. We break it. So it's a sin of commission. Like you, you, you broke a command that you knew. But then there's a sin of omission. And this gets a little bit deeper. Sins of omission means that you know you should do something, but you don't do it. Like, you know you should be generous. You know you should love your neighbor. You know you should help that person in need. And so you're not doing anything. You're not doing something. So it's not that you you broke the law by acting bad. It's you're kind of neutral. You're setting back. You know that you should help that person, but you don't. So it's a sin of omission. You're not actually doing something. You're actually not doing something. And that is sin because you know it's sinful not to do that thing. So we can have sins of commission. We actually break the law or sins of omission. We don't do what we know we should. And both of those in the category of the Bible are sin. It's the classic example of Jesus with uh, Luke 15, when he talks about the older son and the younger son. We've done two podcasts over this, but just a refresher, the younger son was a rebel. He went and just lived his life for himself. He was a huge sinner. But the older son, he was righteous. He always did what's right. He obeyed his father. But it turns out his sin was his righteousness because well, it was a works righteousness. It was a, I'm a good person because I do good things. And because I do good things, I want my dad to reward me. So his goodness was actually his sin. So that category of sin, it's usually bigger than we think. We think of sinners or those who break the law, but actually you can be righteous and obey the law and still be a sinner because it's by works righteousness. It's by doing your own effort to try to earn favor with God or favor with other people. So we've all, that's you and me, have sinned, we've all done that, and fallen short of the glory of God. So we've sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now that fall short, you've probably heard this in many, many sermons. I can hear my dad telling the illustration right now, but that word fall short, it literally means to miss the mark. And it's the imagery of a, a, a bow and arrow, a guy's got a bow and he's pulling it back and he's trying to hit the bullseye and the arrows are constantly missing the mark. The, the bullseye is perfection. The bullseye is the target, the goal, and all of the arrows are hitting outside of that. In other words, it's saying that you don't measure up. You have failed the test. And so all of us, because of our sin... We all miss the mark. We don't live the life we were supposed to live. Instead, we are, well, we're supposed to live the life of God. We're supposed to live the life that Jesus lived, but we don't live that way. Well, what exactly do we fall short of? Well, Paul says we fall short of the glory of God. 
So here Paul brings in the standard. Now, often we think the standard are, well, various people like Mother Teresa. That's the standard. If you're a lot like her, then you're going to be good. If you're like Hitler, then you're obviously bad. So we kind of have Hitler, Mother Teresa. Which one are you more like? Okay, let's if you're more like Mother Teresa, you're going to make it to heaven. If you're more like Hitler, well, you're probably going to hell. That's bad news. But here, Paul says the standard that we're all supposed to measure up to is the glory of God. That means his goodness, his holiness, his name, his character. So we see the standard for a life in heaven is not the best person you know. The standard is God himself. And guess what? You fall short of his glory because you have sinned. See the big problem? (laughs) You've already blown it. You've already messed up. You have already sinned. And in fact, just thinking about this little verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Paul has been talking about this throughout chapter 3. In fact, if we go back up to verse 9, he says this, What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we've already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. So he's trying to make the argument, hey, Jews are the chosen people of God. They have the covenants. They have the laws. Are they better off than the Gentiles who don't know any better? And he says no, because even though the Gentiles have the law and the covenants, they still break them. They still sin. So both Jew and Gentile, we're both under the same problem. We are sinners. And then he says, as it is written... And what Paul is going to do is he's going to go through the Old Testament and give many lines that were originally written towards Gentiles and pagan nations, and he's going to apply those to both the Jew and the Gentile. So he says, as it is written, and Paul is just going to throw a bunch of Old Testament verses at them, and here's what it says. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery. All the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So the Jew would have thought, well, this is talking about those Gentiles, those pagan nations. They are the ones that don't seek after God. They are the ones who are unrighteous. But Paul is saying, no, this is all of us, that both Jew and Gentile, no one does right. No one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks God. Everyone is in big trouble. This is the blanket statement for all of humanity so that all that we talked about all have sinned and fall short. This is the all. This is what you are part of before Christ. You are not righteous. You don't understand. You don't seek God. You do turn aside. You are worthless when it comes to having a righteousness of your own. That from your mouth you speak things you shouldn't. You don't know the way of peace. You don't fear God. That's all true of you before you come to the gospel. So he's just putting this out there that we're all in big trouble. We've all sinned and our sin is in comparison to the glory of God. So the glory of God is what you have to achieve in order to get to heaven. And guess what? You can't because you're broken and you are sinful 
and you have no way to fix your own sin problem. Which again, we started at the beginning of the podcast, your sin is great, right? Hopefully we've proved that. You've sinned, you've fallen short of the glory of God, you're not righteous, you don't seek God, you don't fear God, your sin is great. But that's not how Paul ends. There is not a period in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, period, and you're all going to hell, sorry. No, because 24 is going to accompany this verse when we see that and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. That's where we're going next week. We're talking about the redemption that is in Christ because yes, your sin is great, but guess what? Your savior is greater. And next week we're going to see the greatness of our savior, how great he is, how good he is, that yes, you are sinful, but he redeemed you from your sins. So if you're not a believer, if you haven't trusted Christ, here's what you need to know, that you have sinned and you have fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, you can't be in his presence. You can't live with him forever. You can't be part of his kingdom because the standard in his kingdom is his own glory. So what do you do? Will you acknowledge that you've blown it, that you've sinned, and you turn from that. You repent and you trust in Christ. And when you trust in Christ, Christ is the glory of God, and you will have his righteousness put into your account so that you measure up to the glory of God because you're in Christ, who is the glory of God. So you will get to live with God forever, not because of your goodness, but by the goodness of another. You see, your sin is great, but Jesus is greater. His salvation is greater. And that's what we're going to celebrate on Resurrection Sunday. That yes, Jesus died on Friday, but he rose again on Sunday. And because of that, all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God can have hope. And their hope is not that they get better. Their hope is they have a Savior and his name is Jesus. I hope just looking at this little verse has helped you love Jesus more and it's helped you love your Bible more. Um, and I want to end this episode with uh, just a little tip on how to love your Bible more because we talk about that in Love Your Bible podcast. And so um, I want to share just some tips that I use to love my Bible. So if you've been listening very long, I have several different things that I do when it comes to just spending time with the Lord, but uh, one of the things that I've went back to over the recent days is I went back to a year reading plan. Now, I told you back in January that I'm just going to spend some time reading through the Gospels, and I've been doing that, just reading through the Gospels over and over again. But what I've found is is now, so it's uh, March And why not start a year Bible plan in March? Because, well, nobody's keeping track of like, are you getting it finished by December 31st? Well, I'm not because it's going to go into like next March. And I'm really not that concerned on that I finish in one year. But what I have found is, especially in the mornings, I need somewhere to go. I need a plan to pull me out of just the blah of the night and I need something to pull me into scripture and I need a really easy plan. So um, what I've went back to is uh, just the Bible app. And so 
It's by Life Church. It's a really, really good app. It is because it, it starts with the four beginnings of Scripture. And so you're basically reading uh, four different passages every day, just one chapter. And so you start in Genesis. That's the very beginning, right? So you read Genesis 1, and then you go to Ezra chapter 1, because Ezra is that new beginning of Israel. They've came out of exile. Now they're rebuilding the temple. They're they're reestablishing themselves as the people of God, under the covenants of God. So that's that second new beginning. So you read um, Genesis, and then you go Ezra, and then you go over to Matthew, because, of course, that's a new beginning. That's when Christ came. And then you go to Acts, that beginning of the church. And so you start in those first four places and you're kind of in four different creeks all swimming to one giant ocean and it's just a really good way so what I typically do I'll get up and uh, I've got this thing that um, it's always scripture before phone so I don't go to any other apps I don't do any other thing on my phone like emails or text or calls or apps or anything I go straight to um, the Bible okay and yes I use it on my phone it's the Bible app or my iPad but I'm not using it as a phone I'm using it as a tool to get in my Bible so open up the app and I'll usually read uh, the first two chapters so like Genesis Exodus in the morning and then sometime during the day or at night then I'll do um, Matthew and Acts and so I just really like it um, and actually I said that incorrectly it goes um, Genesis Matthew and then it goes Ezra Acts so in the mornings I'm reading Old Testament New Testament and then in the evenings I'm reading Old Testament New Testament so it's a really good way just to plot through the Bible and to walk down those four rivers as you're thinking about these new beginnings and what God is doing so for me it's helpful to have a plan that helps me love my Bible so I would encourage you uh for the McCheney one-year Bible plan. If you don't have a plan right now, if you're just kind of ad hoc reading here and there, um, man, grab this free app, the Bible app. Um, it's really simple. And then sign up for the McCheney one-year reading plan and just start reading. If you miss some days, you can hit catch up. It'll catch you up and just keep going. And I really like it. You can set a reminder on your phone. It's a good way to love your Bible. Well, that was your tip for today on how to love your Bible. Um, grab a plan. Plans, you don't have to have them. You don't have to use them, but they really do help. Uh, you know, I've, I, don't, I don't know of any like really in shape person that, you know, like just those, those people that just like, they're just ripped and you're like, Hey, what, what's your workout plan? Well, I don't have one. I'm just, I just randomly do stuff like, no, they got a plan because you can see it, right? They know what they're doing. And I think for us spiritually, if you want to be in a real good place with the Lord, I think having a plan is really helpful. So that's my tip today on how to love your Bible well. Grab a reading plan, start reading through it. Maybe we'll do like an Easter reading plan or something, something short and simple that gets you the habit of reading. Um, I just want to encourage you to stay in your Bibles because guess what? When you stay in your Bible, you will love your Bible. Because where your treasure is, there where your heart will be. So when you treasure the Bible, your heart will follow it, and you'll start loving the Scriptures more. And guess what? When you love your Bible, you will love God, serve people, and live a life that matters.